Hello and thank you for listening to episode 325 of 60MW and the very first show of 2021. So a very happy new year to all of you. I'm Dave and this is Soundcheck Memories Part 3. And as promised in Part 2, I'm going to take you on a little trip down my memory lane all about comedy albums. Remember those? Comedy albums? They don't really seem to be a thing anymore. At least not as uh, prolific everywhere as when I was growing up in the early 70s and through into the 80s. They were all over the place. And they were a big part of my memories growing up is the comedy album. I think they've been replaced with YouTube videos and Netflix comedy specials. Uh, which is a shame, really, because the comedy album, and let's face it, 2020, not the best of years. We could have all done with as many laughs as possible. Comedy albums, a great way to uh, give you a smile. Although, having said that about comedy albums, back in February 2020, I did review the Don Jameson comedy album, Denim and Laughter, which was really, really good. Review on it is, uh, is on our website. Gratuitous plug straight away there. Here's another gratuitous plug. I also did an interview show with Don Jameson as well. If you haven't listened to that, go and download that one too and have a listen to that and you'll get some more laughs as well. So let's begin. Oh, well, once again, my dad appears in these shows. It's him that I can attribute a lot of my sense of humour to. And it's him that introduced me to the comedy albums in the early 70s. Again, for those of you that don't know, I was born... My God, every year that ticks by, this is so, it seems so far away. Now, I was born in 1965 when, uh, despite popular belief, everything wasn't black and white. There was some colour in the world. So we got into the 1970s and everything was beige. Uh, so it's my main memories sort of begin 1971, 72, I'm six, seven. And my dad, as I said in the one of the earlier shows, his collection was uh, a lot of compilation albums, a lot of bests of. He also had a shitload of comedy albums. And he sat me down. One of my, the, I think this is my very first memory of comedy albums is my dad sitting me down listening to The Goons. Now, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, you're familiar with The Goons, but we've got an audience worldwide. Uh, hopefully, The Goons spread out worldwide enough that loads and loads of people know about them across the globe. If you don't know, The Goon Show was a British radio comedy programme. And it was it was originally produced and broadcast. It was by the BBC. It was originally uh, released in 1951, uh, and it ran through until 1960. Although the first series, and it was broadcast uh, from May to September 1951, was titled Crazy People, and it was subsequent series that had the title The Goon Show. Now the show's chief creator and his main writer, Spike Milligan, absolute comedy genius. Uh, Madman as well. Everything that he touched was, uh, it was just comedy gold. Uh, and the, the Goon shows it consisted, it was just stupid plots, surreal humour, um, puns, mad catchphrases that you would just repeat all the time. Uh, lots of weird and wonderful sound effects as well. So as well as Spike Milligan, he was joined by Harry Seacombe, Peter Sellers, and from 1951 to 1953, also Michael Benteen. But it was Spike Milligan, Harry Seacombe, and Peter Sellers, which were, they were the main three. They were the goons. They're early influences for so many people. Obvious early influence is for uh, the whole gang of Monty Python and that weird and wonderful humour. And I think it's because my dad sitting me down with the goons and some other stuff that he, that he would say himself, his sense of humour was very surreal. Um... 
I find the most bizarre stuff funny. I don't I don't really find jokes as such funny. There was a show in the 1970s and through into the 80s over here in the UK on television called The Comedians, which was, surprise, surprise, a load of comedians that would get up and they would tell jokes and there was... Bernard Manning is the first one that that jumps to mind. And there'd be the typical jokes about the mother-in-law and an Englishman and a Scotsman and Irishman walked into a pub and something happened. And I never really found them that funny. The stuff I find funny is, is the weird and wonderful stuff. Stories, not jokes, stories. And those stories can be as bizarre as you want. Um, and even though some of them are absolutely ridiculous, and the goons go <laughs> really ridiculous, uh, but they're, they're just so, so funny. And inevitably, my dad would do impressions of a lot of the goons' characters, Eccles was his favourite that he would do for me. And that would make me laugh. I'd be listening to the LP and my dad would be repeating bits and then making up his own bits with Eccles and other characters after the after we'd finished listening to it as well, which was, that just made me laugh again. So the clip I'm going to play for you, for those of you that are not familiar with the goons, and those of you that are, you're in for a little treat, because I'm going to play from 1957, What Time Is It Eccles? Time is it, Eccles? Uh, just a minute, I I got it written down here on a piece of paper. <laughs> a nice man wrote the time down for me this morning. Ah, then why do you carry it around with you, Eccles? Well, um, if uh, anybody asks me the time... I can show it to them. Wait a minute, Eccles, my good man. What is it, fellow? It's written on this bit of paper. What is eight o'clock is written? I know that, my good fellow. That's right. Um, when I asked a fellow to write it down, it was eight o'clock. Well, then... Supposing when somebody asks you the time, it isn't eight o'clock. Oh, well, then I don't show it to them. <laughs> well, how do you know when it's eight o'clock? I got it written down on a piece of paper. <laughs> well, I wish I could afford a piece of paper with a time written on. Oh. Here, Echo. Yeah. Let me hold that piece of paper to my ear, would you? Here. This piece of paper ain't going. What? I've been told a forgery. No wonder it stopped at eight o'clock. Oh, dear. You should get one of them things my granddad's got. Oh. His firm gave it to him when he retired. Oh. It's one of them things, what it is, that wakes you up at eight o'clock, boils the kettle, and pours a cup of tea. Oh, yeah. Um, what's it called, them? Um? My grandma. <laughs> oh, 
I'll wait a minute. How does she know when it's eight o'clock? She got it written down on a piece of paper. <laughs> That clip is over, I can't believe it, it's over 60 years old now. I've listened to it so many times over the years, it still makes me laugh. Uh, Moving forward a few years, uh, my dad had lots of albums by a guy called Blaster Bates. Now I'm guessing of all the names I'm going to mention in this show, Blaster Bates is going to be the one that the most people listening to will be scratching their heads and going... Who the hell is that? Uh, he was from the age of uh, from the age of five into my early forties. I lived in and around a place in Cheshire, in England, called Northwich, and Blaster Bates, born Derek Macintosh Bates, uh, born in nineteen twenty three, sadly passed away in two thousand and six, uh, aged eighty three. Uh, he was he was from around there. And the stories he told, this is what made it really interesting for me as a kid and just made it all the more funny. Uh, apart from the fact that some of the stories he told were a bit rude and used rude words, one of which is going to be in the clip that I'm going to play for you. Talking about the places that I knew and were you know, were around me just really brought me into his stories because I reckon that he talked about places like Crewe and Warrington and Sandbatch which may not mean anything at all to you, especially if you're listening in a different country, even if you're listening in a different part of the UK. But to me, these were places up the road. So, you know, I was like, oh my God, he's talking about Sandbatch. We were there the other day at the market. He's, he was an English explosives and demolition expert, uh, a raconteur. He was born in Crewe. And he made a series of uh, of uh, albums from, well, actually, they weren't albums, but he just made some sound recordings. That's where the quality of the albums when they were released, isn't that great. It would be so good to have remastered versions of Plaster Bates, but I guess the uh, there's not a great deal of attention for remastered Plaster Bates, apart from me and maybe a handful of other people. Maybe you, after listening to this, you're going to start a petition, a GoFundMe to get remastered Plaster Bates. That would be good. It made them between the 1960s through to the 1980s, and he just told stories uh, about... Things that had happened to him. Now, again, another thing that made these even funnier. These are all true stories. He wasn't making stuff up and elaborating on them. These are things that happened. So when you listen to the stories, they are hilarious. Now, inevitably, they're about things that go wrong. Things that possibly at the time sometimes weren't that funny but looking back on them now they're absolutely hilarious i think that's a good sort of life lesson anyway shit happens but when you look back on it some of the funniest things that when you're recounting it are some of the worst things that's happened to you at the time (laughs) some maybe some of the most embarrassing things and then you share the stories with people and they're absolutely hilarious uh people in the uk especially you might have heard of fred dibner now he's a steeplejack and he did something similar He did the after speaking dinner thing and he went on and he presented quite a few TV shows over here in the UK as well. And he's the one that got all the, obviously, attention and people go, oh, Fred Dibner, he was really good. He told some really good stories. Go back to Blaster Bates before him and listen to his stories. Uh, I said, I can't remember the amount of albums that my dad had got by Blaster Bates. I'm pretty sure he'd got them all because he would remember flicking through them all and he'd pull one out and we'd sit together and listen to it. Now, I said I lived in a place called 
Northwich in Cheshire. One of my favourite stories that Blaster tells, it's from 1967, and it's from the album Laughter with a Bang, and it's called A Shower of Shit Over Cheshire. Now, of course, as a little lad, just the title, he says shit. <laughs> I'm going to hear a story about poo. Oh, it's in Cheshire, where I live. This is amazing. Uh, so have a listen to this. Again, humour, it's purely subjective. You may find and everything on this show just completely unfunny. You may find some of it offensive. Who knows? But for me growing up, this this was gold, and I still love listening to it now. Again, the sound quality isn't the best. Uh, didn't have the equipment then. Didn't think it'd be probably as popular as he is now. Uh, but settle back and listen to this great story, this great true story of Blaster Bates talking about a shower of shit over Cheshire. And then I was approached. <laughs> by this <laughs> Big fellow he was. Used to lean well back on his pelvis. I was a bit true catlotch and he was, and he come up to me, stuck his bloody belly out like he had got these moleskin trousers with cross pockets, you know. <laughs> like a naval occasion it was. <laughs> hey, lad, can I have a word with him? <laughs> you know, like I say, rocking back and forth. Like, I've never seen a bloke lean so far back without falling his arm. <laughs> but it suddenly occurred to him, it was these bloody cross pockets, you know. <laughs> He'd obviously had no toys as a child. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> He said, you know, <laughs> you know, Master, he said, I've had a very nasty letter from the council. <laughs> so I said, what's your trouble? He said, well, he said, uh, he said, it's like my pit, it's, it's like our septic tank, you see. I said, well, what's that? He said, well, he said, it's all at the back of the farm, he said. And where they used to dig the marl out in the old days to grow the wheat on the field, they used to dig these bloody holes out the ground, you know, to get the marl. And they used to go down in a spile, some of the buggers are 25 <coughs> foot deep. You see, and they used to spread it on top. Before they had these fancy fertilizers, well, they spread this marl and they used to grow the wheat well. Well, they got one of these holes at the back of his farm. And when they'd modernised his bloody farmhouse about 1875, they turned all the drains in his hole. <laughs> so he was, you know, like one better than most of it. He got his own shit hole. <laughs> <laughs> but the trouble was, we'd had one of our, we'd had one of our bloody summers, you see. <laughs> we had quite a drop of bloody water. And his level had come up. He said, well, here, lad. He said, really for the shell. And he gave me this letter from Backford Hall, you know, there at Cheshire County Council, you see. And the gist of the letter was, keep your shit to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what, had what had happened, he'd had the bloody rain and his level had come up and the effluent was percolating out. 
I'm going down this ditch and into that bloody stream at the bottom, you know. Funny about me, between here and, and Shambach, you know. And as it was going under the bridge, the methane gas was put in the road and was asleep on the end of his bloody dog. <laughs> you see? And the Cheshire County Council won't go around having their roadman put to sleep with the shit out of his pit. <laughs> So the, it was a case of lawyer level or else. <laughs> he said, you know, Master, he said, I've had one of them there machines with the big iron bucket. He said, he chucks it in, he said, he drags it out, all right, but he slithers back. <laughs> By the way, he said, bloody slithers. <laughs> he said, I wonder if you could bring some of that there stuff and blew it out. <laughs> and then the next friend said, where's he goo? <laughs> where's he, where's he goo? <laughs> I thought it was a technical bloody question, if you like. <laughs> I said, it vaporises it. <laughs> I said, and furthermore, there's no radioactive fallout. <laughs> what goes up's got to come down, it's all pure shit, you know. <laughs> anyway, I said, and besides, I said, I should need a four-six on the Beaufort scale. Oh, I don't Well, this morning we got a good wind blowing. Day like it's been today, you know. There's a fair wind blowing, nice day it was. And I went up there, hey, that is, I'm glad to see thee. And goes up there, I said, well, let's have a look at it. By Christ, when I saw it, oh dear, it got twice the air of this room and the top of it was like a bloody meringue. <laughs> <laughs> there was a crust on it, you know. And taking this spikel in my way to poke the, you know, to hold the stuff and drop it in, bloody hell. I had to poke it, you know, and it was like a leathery cloth. And when you got through it, it kind of sneered at you. <laughs> the bloody thing was alive. <laughs> the green bubble, you know. I'm not using five pound sticks, you know, to chuck them up in the air with the detonating cotton. Chuck them up about ten foot to let them plop through it. That's the bloody things that are stuck on the top. And as it went through, boom, keep The bloody thing chuckled. It was like it thought I was feeding it. It was like a bloody quake in my experiment. Oh, there was some bloody right out of goblins in there. A mouthful of that, and it wasn't through you in 12 hours. You're bloody dead, and I'll tell you. Anyway, I thought I'll give it some stick. I'll stir the shit up here, you know. Ah, you've 90 pound waiting. Got a bloody great load in. I thought, yes, I'll be a shower of shit over shit for today. <coughs> Got it all in, you know. And I'm going to set it up. I said, you better come with me up this side. He's, well, what about him down there, he said. There's a bloke down the field doing a bit of edge brushing, you know. <laughs> she loves me. She loves me not. So. Anyway. <laughs> Turns out to be one of these ex-Italian prisoners of war, because there was quite a few about then, you know. <coughs> of course, I didn't know this. So he said, will you go down the field and tell him? I said, ah, I said, he'll have to get out the way he'll get the lot down. <laughs> <laughs> I went down the field, I said to this bloke, I said, hey, you've heard about the shower of shit over Shropshire, we're having one over Cheshire today, you know. For a change, you know, make the funny, laugh it up with the peasants, you see. <laughs> we turn around, Timolikovalo, emirate, emirate, you know they are. Oh, Christ, I thought it's too good to miss. <laughs> You're all right, Jack. You stay. You stay. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, 
I've never done 100 yards in 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> in gun boost before, by God, I must have come close on it that day. Shot back up the field, you know, I said, if any funny fella that messed me, any funny fella messed me. Anyhow, I lit this bit of fuse and we go up the field, by God, then it too got full bloody chat. Boom! The height of Blackpool Tower, no mercy. <laughs> and it races up into the air, then it mushroomed out, then the bloody wind hit it, then this bugger starts to run. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot run 30 mile an hour with clogs on on the proud field. <laughs> and he disappeared in this black age <laughs> of human, cow, and pigeon. <laughs> it's a fair mixture, you know. <laughs> All the drains went into this hole. And it's been in there some years, you know. And <laughs> he's right. <laughs> Good God. Well, it kind of... We, it, we lost him. <laughs> he was lost to us. And then it slowly went from a black to a grey, and we saw this shadowy figure uncurling itself <laughs> from the deck. Only when he lifted his arm, he got bloody gossamer wings. <laughs> Like those things the kids dip in the while sitting and blow the bubbles through, you know. I thought, good God, it claims Sam the Birdman. <laughs> you know. And this was Pitchett, you know. Oh, it was terrible. It's very sour smell, you know. <laughs> Do you know, Master Mate, I've been waiting for something like that to that bugger for two years. They <laughs> <laughs> get bloody silly, you know. That is hilarious. I'd have, I'd have loved to have been there. Just to see all that poo fly everywhere, all over them, <laughs> would have been so good. <laughs> Moving on, we move. let's move into 1975, 10-year-old me. And, oh, wow, Top of the Pops. That was a big thing. I've talked about it in previous Soundcheck Memory shows. Uh, on comes, in 1975, a guy called Jasper Carrot. And he's got a song called Funky Moped. Now, again, people of a certain age in the UK, I'm sure you can hear it in your head already. It was produced by Jeff Lynne. Yes, that Jeff Lynne. Him of ELO. If you're not familiar with Funky Moped, here's a little clip for you. The lights were groovy colours The band was playing slow we danced just one dance together Then she said I've gotta go now I brushed away a teardrop And followed her outside Where a long-eared yob on a cycle Was waiting to gear a ride I'll never forget that flick she went Tell me where to go No, when I'll get me moped Out on the road I'm gonna ride, 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 ride 
And as you may have gathered from that clip, Jasper Carrot, born Robert Norman Davis, is from Birmingham, a brummy. Uh, he started his own folk club, The Boggery, in 1969 in Solihull in the Midlands, and he performed folk songs. And much like Billy Connolly, who, of course, will be appearing very, very soon in this show, it was his in-between song banter between the folk zone between the folk songs that soon became more popular than the actual songs themselves. And so he started elaborating on that and soon the music became a very small part of his show and it was the comedy itself. Again, he was just he told stories. He didn't tell jokes. He just told stories, funny things that had happened to him, funny things that he observed, my favorite form of comedy. Uh, in 1979 he published a book called A Little Zit on the Side. Uh, it's a humorous autobiography. I read that book so many times. Uh, it's, it's such a funny book. I haven't read it for ages. I need to reread it now. Will I find it funny now? That's an interesting thing. He went on, he did comedy shows. He was very popular on TV over here in, in the UK. He went on, and it seems a lot of comedians, this happens to them. They get their comedy specials and their comedy shows, and then they end up hosting game shows. Uh, a little thing that you may or may not know about him is the father of actress Lucy Davis. She of Dawn Tinsley in The Office, the UK version of The Office, of course. But I remember buying, and I think this was one of, if not the, first comedy album that I bought myself. Saved up my pocket money. And it's Jasper Carrot, Rabbits On and On and On. And I'm going to play for you now. Hopefully you're familiar with the children's television show from over here in the UK called The Magic Roundabout. Uh, if you're not, go and do a quick Google and you'll see what it is. Because you really do need uh, a little bit of knowledge about the show itself to get the most from this story all about Magic Roundabout. <laughs> this uh. This is something I like to do because um, it's, a, it's a bit of a cause of mine, really. And I, I don't know whether I can do it because it depends whether there are any of you in the audience tonight. And, <laughs> <laughs> I know there's one or two. Um, and, uh, I didn't, and if there are enough of you, then I can do it, really. Are there in the audience tonight any, any at all, Magic Roundabout fans? <laughs> Oh, goody. Oh. Well, thank you. Um, as you know, they've taken Magic Roundabout off the screens. And um, shame. Tragic, as you, as you know. And uh, they started putting on these silly... Uh, have you seen Parsley? Have you seen that? <laughs> How about Hector's House? That's a good name. <laughs> Bloody rubbish, it is. <laughs> it's for kids, isn't it, when you think about it? <laughs> Anyway, I've been down to London and uh, to see if Magic Roundabout's coming back, and apparently it is. And um, I, I sort of spoke to the people down there, you know, the, the BBC, you know, the BBC, they all talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the cleaner, yeah. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was asking a few questions, and I nicked into this room, and um, I saw this uh, cabinet with Magic Roundabout painted all over it, and I started looking through it, and there was lots of scripts I hadn't seen, because I've seen all the episodes. And uh, so I thought, obviously, it's coming back. So I nicked one, 
and, um, and I copied it all out. And what I'd like to do for you tonight is a preview of one of the uh, scripts of the new series <laughs> of Magic Roundabout. Thank you very much. Hello, children. It's quarter to six. The time once again for Magic Roundabout. <laughs> I wonder where Florence is, said Dougal. I'm over here, said Florence. Hello, Florence, said Dougal. Hello, Dougal, said Florence. <laughs> Boy! <laughs> Hello, Florence and Dougal, said Zebedee. Hello, Zebedee, said Dougal and Florence. Hello, Zebedee, Florence and Dougal. <laughs> said Dylan. <laughs> Hello, Dylan. <laughs> said Zebedee, Florence, and Dougal. I say, said Dylan. What, said Dougal? Boy! Pardon, said Zebedee. Nothing, said Dougal. I wasn't talking to you, said Zebedee. Oh, said Dougal. Dylan, shouted Dougal. Yes, said Dylan. I wonder if Florence is a virgin. <laughs> Drops them for certain, said Dylan. <laughs> Boy! That's right enough, said Zebedee. How do you know, said Dylan? Boy! Well, to my knowledge, half of Toy Town knows of her horizontal pleasures. And let's face it, Noddy's the biggest ram round here, and he reckons he scored. Said Zebedee. <laughs> I can hear you, said Florence. It's not true. Nadia and I are just good friends. Rubbish, said Dougal. It's all over the canteen. <laughs> Everyone knows about you, you brazen hussy. You lousy old flea bag, said Florence. <laughs> Call yourself a dog. I've seen better hair on a lavatory brush. <laughs> Boy! Now look here, said Zebedee. Things are getting out of hand. Let's get back to the storyline. It's a crummy story anyway, said Dougal stubbornly. Boing! No, it's not, said Zebedee commandingly. Who cares, said Dylan dejectedly. Well, I like it, said Florence, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> That's obvious, said everybody cockily. Boing! Now look, said Zebedee, let's try and get it together. Well, I'm not working with that fat bat anymore, said Dougal. I'm off to join the flower pot men, so there. Good riddance, said Florence. Knickers, said Dougal. <laughs> That's no way to talk to a lady, said Dylan, knowing when he's on to a good thing. <laughs> Some lady, said Dougal. Ah, oh, piss off, said Dylan. <laughs> and Dougal did so all over Florence. <laughs> Thank you for sticking up for me, said Florence. <laughs> oh, it's nothing really, said Dylan. <laughs> you know, I fancied you for a long time, said Florence. I fancied you too, said Dylan. Where do we go from here, said Florence? Boy! Time for bed, said Dylan. <laughs> See, there's another one. A little bit rude. Ten-year-old me, giggling. 
anything, anything silly and that people told stories and was a little bit rude and had naughty words, I was hooked. And I'm still the same all these years later. <laughs> My sense of humour has not changed one bit. Uh, so let's move on. I mentioned earlier Billy Connolly. How can I not mention Billy Connolly in this? Uh, I bought all the Billy Connolly albums. Uh, I just absolutely love him. He's made me... Rick Mayall has made me laugh collectively more through my entire life than anybody else and continues to do so. Just uh, this past Christmas, watched another, you know, the episode of Bottom, the Christmas episode, watch that. And no matter what he's in, he, he just makes me howl. But Billy Connolly is the man who made me laugh harder than I have ever laughed before. I honestly thought I was going to pass out. I saw him at the Isle of Man um, in 1981. And he was big by then. Of course, this was after he'd made his famous 1975 appearance on the Michael Parkinson show, uh, which is what sort of pushed him into the stratosphere as far as comedy goes, really got him out into the public. If you've not heard that and, and his story about, oh, hell, let's just let's just let's play that bit for you to begin with, just in case. And if you have heard it, it's funny every time you listen to it anyway. So here's Billy Connolly on Michael Parkinson in 1975. But it's a funny place. People, there's good patter in Glasgow. Better than the comics on the stage. It's all over the place. And a, there's a guy came up to me in the street. I hope I can get away with this. It's a beauty. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he said, do you big in? You know, in Scotland they call me big in. And I'm not very big, but everybody there's off a wee, you know. But he, he said, do you hear about the one, the guy had done his wife in and that? And I said, no. He said, this guy was going out to meet his friend in the pub, and he went down. He said, oh, hello, how's it going? He said, fine, fine. He said, how's the wife? He said, oh, she's dead. I said, what? He says, dead, dead, dead again. Dead. I murdered her. <laughs> Forget it. He said, kidding me on. He said, no, no, it's morning. Dead. He said, look, I'm not talking to you if you keep on talking like that. He said, well, please yourself. I'll show you if you want. He said, ah, show me. So are we up to his tenement building through the close? That's the entrance to the tenement. <laughs> <laughs> into the back green, into the wash house, and sure enough, there's a big mound of earth. There's a bum sticking out of it. <laughs> he says, is that her? He says, aye. He says, would you leave a bum sticking out for? He says, I need somewhere to park my bike. <laughs> There's becoming a theme here, isn't there? Because he's talking about parking a bike in somebody's bum. <laughs> Bit rude, again. He uh, was, I mean, surely you, you're all aware of Billy Connolly, the guy who was a welder in the Glasgow shipyards and then started as a folk singer. And like I said, with Jasper Carrot, these in-between songs, comedy bits, they took over. Uh, and then it was that appearance on Michael Parkinson. He was, he was just huge then. Uh, he went on tours, he released albums, he released singles because in December of 1975, uh, he was on top of the pops. Uh, another person that was on top of the pops, much like Jasper Carrot was, uh, with the song D-I-V-O-R-C-E. And again, if you're not fam familiar with that, here's a little clip for you. Our little dog, 
is six years old and he's smart as any damn kid. But when you mention the VET, he damn near flips his lid. Words like S-H-O-T short or W-O-R-M worm. These are words that make him S-Q-U-I-R-M squirm. His Q-U-A-R-A-N-T-I-N-E starts today. Cause he bit the V-E-T and then he ran away. He caused me and my wife to have a big fight and then both of them bit me. And that's why I am gonna get a D-I-V-O-R-C-E She shouted, Get Rover! And he jumped... And there were more songs, as well as that, that Billy did. But it was always his stories that just made me howl like mad. Of course, he's, he's been with Pamela Stevenson now for a long time. He first met Pamela Stevenson in 1979 when he appeared on Not the Nine O'Clock News. And that's going to make an appearance in a little bit too. And they married in 1989. They're still together. Uh, when they first met, he was an alcoholic. and But he's been teetotal since 1985. And unfortunately, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2013. Um, he does a lot of visual humour as well. I missed so much of it because of the tears of laughter that were streaming from my eyes. Uh, there was I lost count of the times when I thought I was going to stop breathing. I was laughing so hard, it hurt. My chest was in, I was just in agony because I was laughing so much. I couldn't draw breath because I was laughing so much. He was absolutely brilliant. And I would just play his albums to death. And for some people now, maybe the thought of that is you're thinking, well, you've heard it once, you know what he's going to say, you know, it's funny, but it's, it's like watching a film that you enjoy. It's like, even like comedy shows, anything. Part of the humour, part of the enjoyment of it is because you know what's going to come after you've you've had that first initial listen. Uh, and one of my favourite albums by him is from 1977, Raw Meat for the Balcony. Uh, and one of my favourite parts of that album I am going to play for you now. And yes, surprise, surprise, it's a little bit rude. And it's called, Have You Ever Thought About Being a Pervert? Have you ever thought about being a pervert? I don't mean... <laughs> I don't mean, sort of, I think I'll be a pervert tomorrow. Fair up. I think I'll nip out and get my willy pierced, yeah. Put a safety pin in it or something. Join a rock band and spit at the audience. I don't think it's quite like that. I'll tell you, I read a thing. You see, as you do these long tours, you eventually have read all the monthly magazines and all the weekly ones as you're touring about on these roads. Chris, I wish that was mine, it sounded empty. The, really, no, just that, that cans at a party. Right, you, 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 do you remember that feeling when you're at the party and you're tying other cans and they're all empty? <laughs> then you get a full one, oh! <laughs> Somebody's put a ciggy in it. The swims up and touches. Ah! 
So where was it? Aye, after you've read all the magazines, you start buying the more bizarre magazines. And I weakened. And I bought one. And there was an article in it about sexual perversion. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, I didn't know there were so many types. You know, I'd heard of all the normal ones, you know, leather and rubber and all that kind of stuff, you know. And guys dressing up as nurses and that, yippee. So, <laughs> the nurse with a beard, oh no. <laughs> you imagine bursting into your friend's room and he's dressed up as a nurse like, oh. I'm sorry, my, 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 my suit's at the cleaners, I just threw this on. It's a spendies. The wetsuit and the fireman's helmet. Oh, my. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cover me in ice cream and bite my bum. I love it! <laughs> but, but there was... I'd, the ones in here I'd never heard of. I couldn't believe my eyes. I'd heard about his regular types. But sellotape freaks? I mean, what's that all about? <laughs> These guys are all covered in sellotape and getting it ripped off. Yippee! Woohoo! <laughs> Spinning around the room. Faster! I love it! I love it! Whoa! <laughs> they must be totally hairless. <laughs> Did it... You mean... I know, I thought... I wonder how he got rooted that. Just thinking about it, you know? I mean, surely he wasn't sitting watching Crossroads one night. Ah, uh, fed up. I think I'll cover myself in sellotape. <laughs> Get a wife to rip it off, see how it feels. Eh? I mean, surely it can't. <laughs> Maybe he started with a wee piece of elastoplast. <laughs> Get a bigger bit. When I was when I was thinking these rather bizarre things, I got you thinking. I wonder where they meet each other. I wonder if there's a bar somewhere. People all dressed in sellotape. <laughs> German officers marching and guys dressed as nurses. Oh, nuns and all. I wonder. It'd be great if there was a bar like that somewhere. And if there isn't. If they don't go out with the gear on, if they just go out in straight clothes, how do they approach one another? They come up to you. Imagine somebody coming up to you at the bar. Eh, excuse me, I, I don't like to butt into your conversation or anything, but could you see your way clear to giving me a thrashing outside? <laughs> so, how does he work? There's like two Glasgow guys going home for work one night. <laughs> More. One says, I'll tell you what, see, as soon as I get into the house, I'm going to rip the wife's knickers off. He says, what for? He says, the elastic's hurting my legs. <laughs> so, you get the... <laughs> now, the... I think you should be warned more at school about sexual perversion, told a wee bit more about it. Because the first experience you usually have of it is somebody feeling you in the pictures, isn't it? <laughs> we man with a boiler suit. <laughs> Want to come a walk to the park? 
Because <laughs> if you knew more about it, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't worry about yourself so much. Like the girl going to, thank you, the girl going to the psychiatrist, and she said, look, I've got a bit of a problem. He says, well, I'm your man. What is it? She says, I think I'm becoming sexually perverted. He says, really? <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. <laughs> he said, he said, there you go, my goodness. And what form did he do? <laughs> my goodness, you know. Well, Jinx Crivens, help me, Bob. My goodness me. <laughs> Whatever can the matter be? And she said, he says, what form does your perversion take? She says, well, I'm a bit embarrassed about it, really, you know. Frightened, you laugh at me if I, t- I, look, I don't laugh at anybody. Don't be silly. What's your, what's your... <laughs> What's your, what is it? And she says, well, I feel so stupid. Well, I, I like people to kiss me in the bum. I said, oh, for goodness sake, you're wasting my time. Nothing wrong with we kissing a bum, for goodness sake. So I'm worse than you myself. She says, yeah, sure, hi, that'll be right. You're only saying that to make me feel good, aren't you? I said, no, I'm not. I'm telling you I'm worse than you. I'll show you if you like. She says, OK, show me. He said, right, if you would take your clothes off and go to the other end of the room there and stick your head under the carpet. She, she says, oh, come on. What? You're having me on. He said, no, honestly, this is my thing. OK, then. She went to the other end of the room, got the gear off, down in the knees and the head under the carpet. And she's thinking... I think I've knocked it off. I might get a kiss in the bum out of it. <laughs> so, she's under there for two and a half hours. Nothing happened. The bum's getting cold, you know. She's like, wait a minute, what is this? And she looked out in the car for that. And she, there he was, sitting at the other end of the room, reading a paper, fully clothed, we're smoking a pipe. She says, see, see, you were having me on. You were. You haven't done a single thing. He says, haven't I? I've just had a shit in your handbag. So... The next song has absolutely nothing to do with that. No, don't panic, don't panic. Well, if you haven't been offended so far, let's try this next one for you. Derek and Clive. (laughs) Yes, some of you are thinking, oh my God, he's going to talk about Derek and Clive. Some of you are thinking, who are Derek and Clive? Derek and Clive, a.k.a. Dudley Moore and Peter Cook. Uh, they were they formed Derek and Clive as as characters um, in the mid seventies, and they just they really were just a stream of consciousness. They sat down and just shot the shit about whatever came into their minds, mostly exceedingly rude, foul mouthed, bizarre stuff. Um, they very often didn't have an ending. And then they'd just jump to another subject, whatever they were thinking about at the time. Oh, and I love them so much. It was still at school. Um, 1978, the album Ad Nauseam. So I was 13 and I bought this album. Oh, it was the talk of the school because, I mean, this is beyond. This is beyond Jasper Carrot and, and Billy Connolly. This is beyond, way beyond blaster baits and a shower of shit over, Ches- over Cheshire. <laughs> this, this is 
very, very rude. Uh, and a lot of people just find them purely offensive. I'm from the Ricky Gervais school of um, don't don't tell me what I can and cannot find funny. Don't tell me what I can and cannot laugh at. Like I said earlier, very often some of the things that I've experienced in life, I've, you just got to laugh at them. Otherwise, what do you do? It's a good, it's, I think it's a positive thing to laugh at things uh, and laugh and laugh them off uh, and take take everything in context too. But I'm not going to go down a preachy, rambling, um, quasi-political route because we don't do even quasi-political. We don't do politics or even quasi-political. And that's a whole other show entirely that we, we don't do. Bottom line is, I find Derek and Clive absolutely hilarious. <laughs> So if you've not heard of them before, just prepare yourselves. Like I said, you might not find everything in this show funny. You might find nothing. You might find all of it hilarious. Hopefully I've put you in touch with, you know, at least one thing that you've, you're going to find funny or one thing from your from your memories that you've joined me on this little trip as we go through some of my uh, comedy album memories that you've had a laugh with. So let's see how you get on with Derek and Clive from 1978 as they get the horn. Did you see that uh, TV coverage of the uh, the Pope when he was lying in state? The the last Pope, you know, John Paul. Yeah. Lying in state on that <clears throat> on that catafalque. Yeah. In those robes. All right. You know, give me the horn that. Him lying there. He looked so fucking vulnerable, didn't he? I mean, like, I, c I couldn't prevent myself, you know, having a wank immediately because... He looked, he looked vulnerable. He looked at, at rest, and uh, somebody had uh, gone to the trouble of plucking all that hair out of his nostrils. Well, I didn't fancy him when he was alive because he had all this fucking hair up his nostrils. But when they'd, uh, when the cosmetician had had a go at his body and that, well, I, I got a, um, he had a, I got know, the fucking horn. Yeah, just seeing him lying there. The makeup was fantastic on that. But it's interesting. Gave you the horn. Anything gives me the horn, I find. Anything gives you the horn. Anything gives me the horn. I'm very lucky that way. Except my wife, Valerie. She doesn't give me the horn at all. No, she's an ugly I've person. explained her time after time. I said, Val, I said, I fuck knows what it is, love, but you do not give me the horn. I said, you fucking don't give me the horn. I'll tell you what. But everything else gives me the horn. I went down, I opened the gate, that gave me the horn. I, you know... Put my foot on the pavement, they gave me the horn. Yeah. You know, everything gives me the horn. Yeah. I like that. I was uh, advised by the doctor, he said I had an uh, insatiable sexual appetite, you see. Yeah. So he said, why don't you compromise on something, you know, similar to the wife? So we've got this oak door in the kitchen, you know. Yeah. Or not real oak, it's just an oak veneer, really. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. So I um, went in the kitchen and... Uh, yeah. I was fucking the door, like, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's quite enjoyable, uh, fucking the door. But the police come in and uh, took me down the neck because uh, I asked them why I queried the arrest, you see. Yeah. And uh, they said the door was underage. Say what? The door was underage. <laughs> You're not allowed to fuck a door unless it's 16 years old. Yeah, well... Well, I, I didn't, I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah. That wall gives me the horn. You see that wall there? 
Oh, that, that one. I was just looking at it. It gave me the horn. Lord Longford gives me the fucking horn. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, it's the way he does his hair. Yeah. You know, it really gets me going. Yeah, I oh, see yeah. him wandering about. Yeah. He's so fucking fanciful, that oh, Longford. fucking hell, mate. I, I mean, I wish I was in prison for life. me round the bend. I wish I killed a few people. I wish I was yeah. in prison. So I wish I was a mass murderer yeah. and I was in oh, prison so edit. Lord Longford could come round and give me the horn. Yeah. Like he, he gives other people, you know. Because yeah. I only see him in photos and, and yeah. on telly and that, yeah. but in the flesh, I imagine he must be fantastic. So, how did you get on with that? <laughs> I think it is absolutely fucking hilarious. I love Derek and Clive. I met Peter Cook once. I I had a job that took me down to London, and the guy that I was with. He said, uh, "He said, oh, I've got an auntie that owns a pub. And it, was, it wasn't it was too far away. And he said, oh, we'll go there. He said, we always get some free drinks when we go there. And they do some food as well. We can have, you know, a bite to eat and a few free drinks. So, of course, I said, yeah. And on the way there, we're talking. And we talked about comedy and all sorts of stuff, as you do when you're working with people. And he knew I was a fan of Derek and Clive. And he said, oh, he said, you're going to like this. He said, uh, one of the regulars at the pub is Peter Cook. I was like, oh, that's, that's good. It'd be nice if he was there. He was there. I could not believe it. We walked into the pub. He was sat at a table by himself having a drink. He, he was another alcoholic, um, much like Billy Connolly was as well. That seems to be a thing through a lot of comedians as well. Some of them are quite tortured in one way or another. Uh, so, yeah, he was reading a paper and having a drink at a table by himself. So he walked in and we get our drinks and we talk to my mates, uh, Auntie, who owns the pub, and we sit down and we're talking with a bite to eat. Peter Cook's just on the opposite side of the room. A few other people in there, of course. And this is before the days of smartphones. Um, so, didn't, you know, didn't want to take a picture, but I don't like to disturb people anyway. You know, when you see celebrities and you're out, you don't want to hound them. They're, you know, they're just out themselves and want a bit of peace and quiet. But I couldn't, I couldn't not meet him I couldn't not let this opportunity pass so I went across and I introduced myself and I had a few minutes chat with him he was such a lovely guy for those few minutes um yeah even though I just had a couple of minutes chatting to him he was a really really nice guy I can't remember exactly what he said but I remember him making me laugh uh it could have been everything hopefully I don't know, maybe he called me a cunt. I'd have loved it if Peter Cook had called me a cunt. I'd have found that brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, but just those couple of minutes, memory of, of meeting him was, was really, really good. Uh, so moving on, I mentioned uh, with the goons, one of uh, the people they influenced was the Monty Python gang. I don't need to tell you anything about Monty Python. Surely... <laughs> <laughs> All the people I've talked about so far, so far, Monty Python is one lot of people I don't need to talk about at all. I will say, though, that uh, both myself and Tina have seen John Cleese and Michael Palin live. We saw John Cleese on a tour he did. I think it was called something like Paying Back My Divorce Tour or something. We saw him in Manchester at the Bridgewater Hall, and he was really, really good. He was very, very funny. And we saw Michael Palin, I think it was just over a year ago now, um, at a hotel just up the road from us here in North Wales. And he was doing a talk about his latest book that had come out. We were front row. Remember, this isn't a theatre or anything like this. It's just, you know, a, a um, conference room in, in a hotel, a small conference room. And we're front row. And he is 
quite literally six feet away from us, in front of us, uh, which was great to have him right in front of us for about an hour and a half and got to ask him a couple of questions. And he was he was really good. Uh, and Tina's always had a crush on him as well. So she quite enjoyed being that close to Michael Palin. She got a bit hot under the collar. Uh, <laughs> so that was just an added bonus for her. But I would buy, as well as watching them on the television, of course, comedy albums. Uh, Monty Python's Contractual Obligation album from 1980. And my choice from that, this is one that's always stuck with me. <laughs> and it's something that me and Ike, uh, we were always quoting comedy stuff. The amount of stuff from um, like the Young Ones or Bottom or anything like that. We would just quote it usually when we'd been at the pub <laughs> and had a couple of pints. This is one thing. So we, we'd come back and we'd be... Um, so this is 1980 now, so we're 15. And, and we'd be... We'd be at, we hadn't just come in from the pub when we were 15, by the way. Although we did start going to the pub when we were 15. Um, but that's a whole other story entirely. And so there'd be my bedroom at my mum and dad's. And my bedroom was next to the bathroom. And inevitably, at some point, while we'd been listening to Kiss albums, um, one of us would want to poo. <laughs> and the lock quite often didn't work properly on the bathroom door. Uh, and so this became a popular thing to uh, to say out loud as we were doing a poo. So this is Monty Python, and here comes another one. Here comes another one. Here it comes again. Here comes another one. When will it ever end? I don't know whatever it is. I've not seen one before. But here comes another one. And here comes a bunch of them. Comes another one. Thank God I'm not having lunchroom. That's it, is it? Obviously, it would be better with a full orchestra. Yes, yes, I suppose it would. <laughs> Another one here comes again. Here comes in another one. When will it ever end? That is just ridiculous. It is stupid. And it still makes me laugh. Like 40 years later, it's, oh my God. Anyway, to round this off, I'm going to talk about 
not the nine o'clock news again things have just sort of naturally segued one thing into another there's a, a lot of threads that intertwine the ones that i've chosen to talk about um it was a british television sketch comedy show it was broadcast uh, on bbc2 from 1979 to 1982 uh, it was originally shown as a comedy alternative to nine to the nine o'clock news which was shown on bbc one hence the name not the nine o'clock news and it, it featured sketches on the then current news stories pop culture they did parodies of songs they did sketches um i used to love watching the show and again they released a few albums so i would buy the album um as well the album is called Hedgehog Sandwich from 1981. Now, when I was talking to Tina about putting this show together, so I'm going to do Soundcheck Memories Part 3. It's about comedy albums. And so, of course, she said, oh, what are you going to talk about? So I say, I'm going to start with the goons and early memories and blast debates and then move forward through the 70s, through Jasper Carrot and Billy Connolly, etc. And then finishing with, because it sort of wasn't long after when, you know, my comedy album especially um, buy-in dropped off i'm going to finish with not the nine o'clock news oh what clip are you going to play and then i told her what clip i was going to play and she went sharp intake of breath <sighs> sure you want to play that are you sure you want to play that i'm going to play it because it's the it's the one sketch from not the nine o'clock news that stuck in my head and it's probably the most controversial especially in this day and age because it's about a racist policeman. Now, a lot of you, again, people of a particular age, and especially here in the UK, you're going, oh, I know, I know what you're going to play. Uh, yes, I am. Now, remember again, so I'm growing up through the 70s and into the 80s. Now, especially during the 70s, it's unbelievable. And I'm still talking about this is in my lifetime. It was a different world in all sorts of ways. I mean, forget about no internet and smartphones. I mean, it wasn't even mobile phones. And if I wanted a smartphone, there was just dumb phones that we plugged into the wall, and that that was it. Uh, ev everything was so different. Society was different. Language was different, uh, and what people found funny was different. Now, the fact that in 1981 there was a sketch about a racist policeman, and that subject is still just as much as relevant if not more 40 years later is is sort of a, a, a is it damning on society really that it's still a thing uh, but everything has to be taken into context and there's programs like um oh my gosh till death us do part and love thy neighbor of which quite often i sort of trigger shows for a lot of people now who are instantly offended without taking into context what they're about and analysing them, that these shows show up racism and racists uh, for how stupid it is and how stupid racists are. And this sketch just shows how stupid racists are. Uh, so I think it, it, I am going to play it. Uh, it's, it's Constable Savage. And it's uh, Griff Reese jones as the titular Constable Savage uh, and Rowan Atkinson as his boss. So if you've not listened to it before, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. Um, it's I still find it funny because of the memories that I've got in that different time. Like I say, we'd, we'd just gone out of the, uh, the 70s. This was 1981. 
And I think it's important that it doesn't get lost because there's an important message there that racism is just ridiculous and racists are even more ridiculous. So here you go. Not the nine o'clock news. Constable Savage. Come. Yeah, you want to see me, sir? Ah, Constable Savage. Come in. Shut the door. Yes, sir. Now then, Savage. I want to talk to you about some charges that you've been bringing lately. I think that perhaps you're being a little overzealous. <laughs> Which charges do you mean, then, sir? Well, for instance, this one. Loitering with intent to use a pedestrian crossing. <laughs> Maybe you're not aware of this, but it is not illegal to use a pedestrian crossing. Neither is smelling of foreign food <laughs> an offence. You sure, sir? Also, there is no law against urinating in a public convenience. <laughs> or coughing without due care and attention. If you say so, sir. Yes, I do say so, Savage. Did they teach you anything at training school? Oh, sorry, sir. Some of these cases are just plain stupid. Looking at me in a funny way. <laughs> Is this some kind of joke, Savage? No, sir. And we have some more here. Walking on the cracks in the paper. <laughs> Walking in a loud shirt in a built-up area. <laughs> during the hours of darkness and walking around with an offensive wife. In short, Savage, in the space of one month, you have brought 117 ridiculous, trumped-up and ludicrous charges. Yes, sir. Against the same man. Yes, sir. A Mr. Winston Kudogo of 55 Mercer Road. Yes, sir. Sit down, Savage. Yes, sir. Savage, why do you keep arresting this man? He's a villain, sir. A villain? And, and a jailbird, sir. I know he's a jailbird, Savage. He's down in the cells now. We're holding him on a charge of possession of curly black hair and thick lips. Oh. Uh, well. Well, 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 there you are, sir. You arrested him, Savage. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Savage, would I be correct in assuming that Mr. Kadogo is a coloured gentleman? Well, I can't say I've ever noticed, sir. <laughs> Stand up, Savage. Savage, you're a bigot. It's officers like you that give the police a bad name. The press love to jump on incidents like this, and the reputation of the force can be permanently tarnished. Your time on duty is dominated by racial hatred and petty personal vendettas. Did you get some kind of perverted gratification from going around stirring up trouble? Yes, sir. <laughs> There's no room for men like you in my force, Savage. I'm transferring you to the SPG. Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> now get out. Sorry, sir. So how about that then? What did you think? Again, maybe maybe it triggered some people. I, I don't know. Uh, but anything that highlights stuff like that and shows it for how stupid they are is fine. 
with me and it's part of my memories you can't you can't take away people's memories and say that didn't happen you didn't find that funny uh, it did happen and i i did find it funny uh, lots of other comedy stuff that i listened to they're the main ones that jumped to mind when i was putting the notes for this together do you listen to comedy albums do you listen to them now did you listen to them in the past if you did what are you listening to now what new comedy albums are you listening to what comedy albums from the past did you grow up listening to send us an email let us know easy to do go to the website 60mw.co.uk there's a contact us form on there really easy or you can email us direct contact at 60mw.co.uk while you're on the website obviously everything's on there news reviews podcasts links to our social media everything that we do is on there ways that you can send money ways that you can join a world tour that we've got ways that you can leave us a review do all of that uh keep checking on the website we are now back from our holiday break i closed everything up as i do every year on tina's birthday the 20th of december and then open everything else back up on the first monday of the year so here we are with me releasing this on january the 4th so again happy new year to all of you hope that you all have a great happy healthy prosperous new year and it's better than the one that we've just had which let's be honest bit of a shit show for everybody involved but hey at least we're all still here so enjoy it and if you really want to enjoy the year i'm going to leave you with monty python and a way that you can do that Face and do 